Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at MetalCloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the MetalCloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, MetalCloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. We figured out if you just take the front drive line out, you can do burnouts in them. So it, it lets you with the all-wheel drive transfer page. <laughs> right. Just take the front drive shaft off. Sure. And then once, um, once we put the disconnect. Dana 60 in it, once the 60 was in it, you just unlock the front hubs and you're full-on white smoking it everywhere you go. <laughs> Why did it have to be white smoke? The Modern Jeeper Show. The show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matt's from Medical Care, and welcome to episode number 138 of the Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. While Jesse is away, Corey will play. Well, not really. But we do manage to get a terrific guest in Trevor Huskins from WFO Concepts. Corey and I pontificate about Salantis and electrification and the future of Jeep, according to its global CEO. Then we dive right into our interview with Trevor and what it means to be a customer of WFO Concepts. Trevor shares his history from getting his first flat fender as a signing bonus right out of college, to 9-11's impact on his career, to the inspiration behind the name, to Google, Tesla, and all the other projects that keep 25 people busy inside of a 10,000 square foot shop. And we share the fifth and final keyword in our annual Modern Jeeper $5,000 and more giveaway. By the way, if you're listening and wonder what the F are these guys doing, you can see the full video in all its glory at youtube.com slash modernjeeper, where you can subscribe and have a chance to be a part of our ongoing giveaways. We always love to hear from you, so please send us comments or suggestions. Take a moment to give us five stars on your favorite podcast player. As always, we're extremely grateful to our supporters and friends, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. So sit back, relax with the cold one, and enjoy episode number 138 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, it's another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show with me, Matt from Metal Cloak, and Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you doing, big boy? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, man. Hey, where's Jesse at? She is um, in the middle of Colorado road construction. Um, she's, she's on her way back from Oklahoma. She ran down there this weekend to see her grandbaby and her daughter and uh, just to, to kind of provide a, another set of hands to, to handle a newborn. But uh, she's probably going to, I don't know, she'll be back here in about an hour. We'll probably be just finishing up and she'll walk in the door. Right. Oh, that's nice. So we get to see her like for the last little second of it. Yeah. Well, that's good. But she's gonna be tired. She's not gonna want to talk. She's not gonna. She's not gonna walk over to the to oh, sit no. in her chair. No, and... she's gonna be. She's gonna be. It's you, you, she... you need to have. You need to pull the chair over next to you. So it's just an empty chair sitting <laughs> so there. So it's right? just an empty. Just I can have like chair. a little picture of her or something here. You know, you guys get the full size ones. Just, right. Just stand in. Right. Yeah, we could do a little. Or, or or if she was really a believer, she would be like 
doing this from wherever she's at with the baby. If she had, if she had service right now, she would, uh, yeah, she would have called in, but, uh, no, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Oklahoma. Well, that's Oklahoma. cool. Well, so how you been like, what, what was your weekend like? Um, it was a good weekend. Um, I feel like I've, you know, I'm in the middle of this, um, was a prep year. mode and, um, I, I actually, I, I, I'm, I'm really, really busy doing absolutely nothing. I don't know what. Well, I can't say nothing cause you never do nothing. No, and I, I'm, I'm literally, I'm looking at a, a bunch of bags and, and gear over here on the floor in my office, and I'm trying to think, you know, this is kind of funny. So we're getting ready to go to Hump and Bump. We're getting ready for SEMA. We're getting ready for Death Valley. Uh, a number of years ago, when I was in Peru, um, fortunate enough, went down and hiked the Machu Picchu Trail. Machu. I went down there with a single backpack, and that backpack held all the camera gear I needed, Four days of clothes. I had everything I needed in a backpack. So now we're going to go to Death Valley for two, three-day trips. And now I need a truck to carry <laughs> everything. It's um, it's kind but, of dysfunctional. You remember when I started in this business, man, I was just a backpacker, right? So I did the same thing. Everything I needed was in my backpack. And I would load my backpack for all the stuff I took on the Pacific Rush Trail. And I just toss it in the back of the Jeep. And I go wheel Jeep Camry or whatever. And then I pull out my backpack, pull all the stuff out. Right. But at a certain point you start going like, well, hell I could fit a tent cotton here. And damn, I could fit a little fire pit and and you'd be like Becker. You could fit a microwave and a generator and a, and, and a coffee maker. And you know, I got a Keurig. Maybe I bring that next time. And next thing you know, you're taking all this time just to get set. Right. Uh, Well, it's going to be good. I think we got a good, good group coming together. Um, yes, we need to work out some sure. details on the first one. Cause for those of you guys, you know, we're going to be doing a whole big ARS thing, like the whole, like, we'll see how it turns out, but you just forwarded a, 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 a um, video over to me from our buddy, Alex over at gladiator brothers. Yeah. Yeah. That was really a, good. You know, he's it again. Um, it always amazes me. You know, we do a lot of these, um, off the cuff outside the box, little trips here and there. And Alex is one of these guys who the whole time, He's he's by himself and he's setting up cameras and he's taking the time to capture stuff that, of course, I don't know, I, I from from a guy who likes to to capture images and video as well. He just happens to be really good at doing something with it all at the end of the trip. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, and it's cool because, you know, since he's he's uh, Spanish is his first language. And he's able to reach out and and touch a lot of people that that we don't necessarily get to be involved with, and uh, you know just this little quick test of some rooftop tents versus a, a tent on the ground, um, really cool. And he did some Morrison Jeep video before this that um, he does a really good job, and he subtitles everything. And man, he, yeah, to well, take that's that good, time. Because I don't speak Spanish, and I start watching this thing, I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? That, you know, yeah. Although you know, we do se habla español. You can call metal yes. se habla español. We have we have right? uh, uh, Chris. You know, so in fact, I think he. I didn't even see the video, but he did an interview with Alex. Like Alex came through here a few months ago, I think it was, and uh, inter- I said, "Chris, you're the front man. Go do your yeah, thing." Yeah, you go talk to this guy. Well, we've been. Well, you exclu- know, that was on a trip where we were on the Morrison Jeep Trail, and of course, Ricky from Jeepers Den was there. Um, you know. M- Mr. Mr. South Florida. So mm. he and Alex get together and talk and I just kind of stand there and go, 
you guys just let me know when it's English and I'll, I'll you tell me what you want me to say. <laughs> just nod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Right. Dude, there's uh, so much, cool. there's so much going on. I am, um, b- before we get to our, our guest and we have an yeah, awesome we have a guest. guest. I mean, isn't it yes. We have a guest. We do. It's been a long we time. We have a guest. I'm thrilled. <laughs> like, it's like, and it's a, it's a cool dude too. I mean, he's, yeah. He's and our, cool. and our schedule is finally allowed for it. Um, right. Well, but, yeah. Finally for you. It actually takes time. It, you know, it takes time to actually book a guest and like reach yes. out to him and convince him that he's not going to be wasting his time by talking to a couple of yahoos like us, you know, <laughs> it takes a bit, but um, go ahead. You were, well, you were talking so about there's your, just, there's just been so many stories that have come up in the last two days. And a couple of things, um, the Jeep CEO, there's this, uh, this huge article that the verge did with him. And I just want to, I just want to, I want to quickly, um, capture one little phrase he said, and I think it's very interesting. Um, he's talking about the Jeep heritage and where Jeep is going and where he sees that future. And again, Mm -hmm. this is the, the CEO for Jeep. Um, he's, he's in the middle of it all dealing with Stellantis on a global and international level, right? Right. Here's his quote. Think about Jeep today versus what Jeep was just before 2010. We were selling 300,000 cars at the time, 300,000 Jeeps a year, and it was all represented in the U.S. The Jeeps were only built in the U.S. at four plants. Now they're built in six countries and 10 plants. We sell in more than 110 countries and five times more volume than they did 10 years ago. Wow. You don't really think about that. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I mean, that, that is such a huge difference in volume of where we were just a number of years ago. And and this is Christian Munier and Munier Munier. He's not from the United States. Um, He's lived here for a number of years. Portuguese. I don't know where he's from. But um, there's a great interview. It's on modernjeeper.com. And at the same time, <laughs> Stellantis enters in this joint venture with Samsung to make batteries. Mm, interesting. So, and, and Chris, in his, his, his interview with The Verge, he talks a lot about Jeep's future and electricity. They, they go down to the road of 2040, and he... He actually states in the interview that after 2040, he doesn't think gasoline engines will be manufactured any longer. Ooh. So don't not put... from a manufacturer, not from somebody selling cars. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. And I, yeah. So all of a sudden, all of this information coming out of, of our industry and the automobile so, industry itself. It'll be except for the, uh, the, the, manu- the engines being manufactured for all the heavy equipment that has to actually mine out the stuff for the batteries. We'll still have right. those engines. You're right. Yeah. No, those will all be lithium powered too, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like I am stuck in an environment where everybody thinks that electricity is free. We don't talk about any of the costs. We just all talk about once we get there. And he even mentions you know, right now, Tesla doesn't have enough charging stations for the vehicles that are on the road today. Right Tesla now. Tesla doesn't? Wow. There's not enough charging stations. So picture this. So Thanksgiving holiday, everybody needs to go to, is going to go on their Thanksgiving trip to go see grandma and grandpa and have turkey mm-hmm. dinner. And there's not enough people to charge up their cars to get to where they need to go. 
Well, but that's kind of weird for me because I, I mean, I haven't been on the road lately on a big road trip, but I have never, ever seen more than like two or three Teslas at a bank. No, no matter what time of the year it is. Right. Right. You know? So I, I don't understand that, but and I, the other I thing, don't know, like maybe... they're rapid charging stations, right? Like they, they, they do it pretty quickly. Don't they? And then, then there's this talk about, will that ever come to some sort of, um, you know, will it ever become a USB jack? Will everybody have the same plug? Will everybody have the same adapter? Whose charging stations can you use? If I have this Jeep or this car or this rig, can I plug it into a Tesla station? And again, there's an expense. There's a cost. These manufacturers are building these charging stations, but where does that money come from? Well, guess what, Mr. Consumer? You're paying for it. These manufacturers aren't just going, oh, we're going to be really nice. We're going to give you guys free electricity. Yeah. We can't even do that in a home. Right. So. Well, I think the plan with Tesla was also to do solar and all that kind of stuff, right? Or you can have those big, giant, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, beautiful Jeep stations that right. sit in the middle of the Rubicon Trail with a big solar panel on top, right? That doesn't cost anything. Right. I think this guy that is our guest today, he may be, he, we can probably put one at his, his shop. Which, one of those yeah, big yeah. Jeep charging stations. Right, right, right. Well, you know, speaking of that, we probably should introduce him, have him join us. Yes. Hey, uh, so this is exciting one to actually have a guest because as Corey, you guys know, we've been like, we promised a lot of guests this year and then we didn't do it. And then we, uh, we had a lot of times where it's just like, hey, you're just going to listen to me, Corey and Jesse uh, shooting the shit. But we decided to bring on board a guest and this is a local guy for us, WFO. You've probably heard the name because they are big and then in, in custom rigs been around. We'll find out how long they've been around and all that kind of stuff. But Trevor, welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? Uh, doing hey, good, everybody. man. Doing good. You're like the first guest we've had in like, what, how many months? Like a couple of months, months for yeah, sure. It's been a yep. while. It's been a while. So I appreciate you coming on the show and actually like not making us look like total, you know, fools. <laughs> but welcome. You got one of your rigs there behind you. I'm actually so, sitting in my garage. This is my uh, 81 Scrambler. Nice. Nice. So, uh, yeah, for all of you out there, we had to go to his home garage because, you know, to take time out of his shop, which I think you've been bursting out of the seams of that shop for at least the last several years. Uh, you can't find a, a quiet place there. So he was kind enough to go to your garage. So it's nice and quiet. So we don't hear too much going on. Yeah, we could have done the opposite. I could have just sat out there in the middle of the shop and you would have seen all kinds of action and stuff going on. But uh might have been a little noisy. Yeah, we could do sign <laughs> language. Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to the show, man. We really appreciate it. So, you know, we've talked about this. This is just a, a, a BS session. Now, Corey, you guys hadn't met before, right? Um, if so, it's been it's been a while, and I I I, I have to think it was maybe at, at King of the Hammers or somewhere like that. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, because the, the WFO Brown. I mean, you guys have been around. Hell, you've been around longer than we have. Um, you know, when did you when did you open shop? I opened my shop in 2003, so it was definitely before Metal yeah. Phone. So yeah. right about yeah. the same time Genrite started um, and Dave started Poly Performance. So we right. all kind of hit the ground running at the same time. And you just started out as a pure build shop, right? We were just a pure build shop. We weren't manufacturing anything. We were just building mostly old school CJs. I right. mean, I even thought that the uh, the TJ was just way too new and yuppie uh, when we started <laughs> the business. And we fought it for as long as we could before we started working on TJs. Well, there's definitely some signature looks out there, right? Um, your guys' your 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 roll cage, um, your speaker cans. It's like you could see rigs going around and go, ah, that's a WFO build. That's a WFO build. 
And and now we're at the point where we have to spill that style, you know, onto the JLs, the JTs, the JKs, and and we're no longer fighting it anymore. So in, in 2012, <laughs> you know, 2012 when the JK came out with the better engine, it was like, okay, I'm gonna accept these vehicles and let's start working on them. Right. Well, that was well, it. I mean, being, I located only... in, being located in Auburn, there. I mean, he's he's in such a perfect spot. Right. It's close. I mean, it's, he's got a lot of trails out there in that way. And, and he's cool because he can come down here and get stuff from us. So, you know, I remember going, I remember going out there with you. I checked it out. You're like, you are like a uh, customer number, like 390 is like your account number. Right. Okay. And we're up into, you know, I think we're up into the 60,000s now over, over 12 years. But um, I remember driving up to your shop cause I was still, you know, trying to hack hawk stuff to our local guys and, I spent a day and I drove around town and drop off some stuff. And I wanted to show you like the JK, like I drove up in the JK and I wanted to give you a test ride. And I think you guys were too busy to hop out. And that was still when you and your, your brother were, uh, were, were working thing together, I think. Um, but it was a, uh, it was, yeah, I just like, you were too busy, showed you off the stuff, showed you some of it. And I was like trying to get you into it. And now years later, you guys are working, you know, they, they love the Duraflex joint over there, by the way. Yeah, we use the Duraflex joint on everything we can. And uh, I think the technology and the way it works is, you know, the way to go. So we get, we have them on all of our custom builds and even some of our production stuff. Yeah, Cloud, you did um, Jason Shearer's rig, didn't you? We did. We put some on Jason Shearer's rig that uh, he built in conjunction with Starwood and Dynatrack. And mm-hmm. a bunch of people went, were in on that thing. And I can tell you that, we, you know, we use them also on our uh, Chevy solid axle kits. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a whole product line that people don't know is we do a solid axle kit for all the new GM trucks. But I can honestly say that I have never changed a Duraflex joint. I have not had one completely fail on us yet. I mean, I don't have any wood to knock on, just 42. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I usually use this. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to know. That's good to know. But, but let, let's back to you. Let's go back to the beginning. So like your interest in Jeeps, how, how did that start? Uh, in high school, I had a 67 Chevelle. I wasn't a Jeep guy at all. Oh, wow. Um, and then my last year of college, uh, I got recruited to work um, at a manufacturing facility down in the Bay Area. And it happened to be my uncle's business. Um, but when I hired on there, uh, they gave me a free Jeep. So I ended up with wow. a forty-six. I got a forty-six Willys as my signing bonus. That's awesome. Forty-six and, uh, Willys as a signing bonus, and, and wow, who does yeah, that? Yeah, it was. A, and, and the reason being is that uh, the Rubicon Trail was no longer the Wild West. So you know, my uncle had to stop drinking because before you just go to the trail <laughs> to drink, right? And, and so him and his brother, they both had jeeps and. They decided, well, if we can't go up there and drink all the time anymore, then we're just going to have to give the Jeeps up. So I ended up with one of the Willys, and then uh, one of the other guys who ran the machine shop ended up with the other one. We wow. still we still have them. I think really in, you still um, have them. Oh yeah, I think it, uh, it read admirable. that yeah. In your prior job, you guys were actually running a small little uh, off road shop out of the back. Yeah, so. Uh, I got hired to run that foundry. There was about 200 employees. And I think I was a, I was the production manager and the plant manager, uh, basically just like the fixer of problems. <laughs> and um, I, I got a degree in manufacturing technology from Chico State. So I went right down to work in the Bay Area. And we were an aluminum foundry. And we built rapid prototype parts for 
the automotive industry, um, you know, the electronics industry, um, Lucent, General Dynamics, Nokia, um, Motorola. And so we were building all these aluminum castings. um, And in the corner of the building, I had a little 40 by 40 section. I had that Jeep there. We had the other Jeep um, as well. Uh, It was my cousin. And we just started fixing them and taking them every weekend and breaking them and then fixing them and breaking them. Um, you know, there wasn't a single time we didn't go to the Rubicon that we didn't wreck something back then. <laughs> uh, all that was these, normal. That these was JL normal. and JK owners don't mm-hmm. understand. They go up there and they drive all the way through and come home. I mean, we're we're 30 <laughs> minutes in and we're welding the frame back together. And, you know, <laughs> it's just what you had to do. Right. I tell the story of all the guys in high school, you know, and of course, to be a real wheeler in high school, you had to have your Cal 4 wheel decal on the side of the rig, right? But Oh, yeah, I yeah, had it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But every weekend, they'd come back through and sure enough, slash a tire, slash a tire, slash a tire, right? I think they we went through spares every weekend. You know, something yeah. was broken. The other thing is we drove up there, we went through, and we drove home. And we were coming from the Bay Area. For your, You're talking a three-and-a-half-hour <laughs> drive up and a three-and-a-half-hour drive home with a leaf spring duct tape back together and no brakes on two wheels. And, you know, that's just kind of how, how we figured it out. That was just fun life, man. That's fun living. And it got to the point where uh, I was having more fun working from four o'clock at night till midnight in my little, you know, faux Jeep shop down there than working all day long. And so uh, that's why, in, you know, when September 11th happened, that company kind of folded. And that's when I decided mm. I'm moving back home. I'm going to rent a little building and I'm going to build Jeeps. Wow. Nice. That was the impetus for it. How long did it take from that moment of that decision to actually having a shop up and running? Oh, I was up and running in a month. Nice. So it, and it was just my brother and I, and uh, we had one helper, a uh, couple helpers, but we had Phil Blurton from No Limit. Uh, he was working for us. And oh, wow. With only the two of us, you know, we could take a long lunch. We actually had Wheeling Wednesdays. So we just closed down at like two o'clock on Wednesday and go find somebody's property to go destroy and, you know, around <laughs> Auburn. We, wow. We did a lot of stuff behind Eddie Murphy's house over at Los Lagos there. It's, uh, it's awesome. not closed down. Mm. Well, back in the day, it was easier to find places to go do it. Now there's so much infill. It's like you, you, you can't find a real place to go wheel and play in somebody's yard. Absolutely. Go, go find the trails. Well, that's awesome. So you start that in uh, after 9-11. So, um, and you start building it up. And, how, and, and okay, so why, I mean, obviously WFO, but what was the impetus behind the name? Well, you know, uh, my uncle's Jeep group, they called them uh, WFO and the Rubicon Ramblers. Or Rubicon Ramblers, we do it WFO. Mm. And uh, obviously, we kind of know kind of what that stands for, uh, wide frickin' open. And uh, at that time... That's that's a family-friendly version. That's a (laughs) family-friendly version. And and that time, it was also a dirt bike thing, too. So FMF, Fast Mother Effer, WFO was wide frickin' open. That happened... uh, you know, in the eighties. And, uh, I just, that was kind of our style of four wheel and building Jeeps. And it, uh, it just took, and it's easy to remember too. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Easy to remember, easy to see. And you see the, uh, the WFO everywhere. When I first, when 2009, I think we first started getting things going here and WFO was one of the established brands around here. How long before you started building your own stuff? Cause you started out doing like you're doing the builds. And then at a certain point you started getting brackets and other little builder parts that you started, started creating. It, it actually started off pretty 
uh, right away. The, the, our very first product was our Dana 60 double high steer arms for Kingpin. Mm. And uh, I had a truck, uh, a full-size Chevy long bed that I took over the Rubicon at that time in the early 2000s. <laughs> and uh, I needed high steer on it and the steering box wasn't far enough forward. So the only answer was to relocate the tie rod behind the axle. And that was our first product. And we've sold thousands of those. So wow. it really started from the beginning, but uh, only in the last maybe six or seven, maybe 10 years have we ramped up to full on production and manufacturing and wholesaling to other dealers and to the public. And the I got an eBay store, we got the website, we're on Amazon. So it's uh, it's definitely ramping up now. And that's, is that increasingly a focus for you or are you still focused on being a build shop that happens to have some products? Well, you know, the easy thing is just to build products and uh, try and sell your products. But I believe that the builds kind of drive, uh, they drive the products mm. um, and then they make you be, you know, uh, right in the market right now, you know. Every time you're doing something new or building a new Jeep, then you can tweak and make a new product or change your old product. So you can be valid right now. Well, and and but well, before we started, Trevor and I were having a conversation about um, just the technology, and and he's pretty. I mean, you you guys are very technically savvy. You you understand um, what works and what doesn't in the social media environment, and talk a little bit about how. I mean, I, I think that that's very interesting. I don't know if en enough shops embrace that. They kind of rely on the word of mouth and somebody going, yeah, take it to Joe. He can fix it for you. But you guys have you've expanded that quite a bit. Well, we've never paid for any advertising, per se. I think I had a maybe like an ad in Crawl Magazine for a while, you know, when that was valid and everybody was in there. And But the real deal is... Um, as everybody knows, you get yourself out on social media these days and that's where the real marketing is. But what we were talking about was that, uh, uh, you know, maybe a year or two ago, Instagram was the, was the most valid social media platform. And believe it or not, I think YouTube is the next answer here. So, um, we, we started our YouTube channel a couple of years ago and it really got a lot of steam at the end of last year. I would say 50% of the phone calls we get at the shop, they're calling on a YouTube build um so, half the and, calls you know, that's now, do you do do you do short videos or deep dive videos i do basically uh walk around videos of the projects we build which then gets the the customer into our products because you know our products are on most of those projects um and some of them are just other people's vehicles that i really like that i do a walk around video on and we didn't even do anything to the to the vehicles but that's i feel cool. like the general the general public's got to see these because they're they're unique and they're they're done well that's awesome that's cool that's cool what a great idea maybe modern Jewish and, and it doesn't take a whole lot of time i think we all get kind of caught up in this whole production of what everybody wants to see and you need five different angles and four microphones so we, use, and... we use an iphone with microphones and we try and shoot it on the first on the first clip that's uh, and one take one just keep rolling if we screw something up we keep rolling we edit it in we make it raw but if you look at those videos that are on our youtube channel um there's no editing it's just one shot all the way through they're they're usually 10 to 15 minutes that's cool that's cool i think i mean being real is kind of what 
um, I don't know, it's been the path that, that that metal cloak and as a manufacturer and for modern Jeeper, I mean, we've always wanted to be realistic about things which it's not a produced it's just like the podcast you know there's no script we're just we're just talking about uh you know we're sitting all sitting around in a garage talking about jeeps so i think there's something to be said for that i'd like to be sitting in a garage talking about jeeps yeah (laughs) and and the uh you know you can't answer questions to a home builder if you don't know what it's like to build at home and so when we're building these vehicles every day in the shop you know, we're learning and understanding all the new stuff about our product and about other people's product. I mean, Metal Cloak's product as well. Um, so when somebody calls and, and tries to get something from us or order some parts, we know what we're talking about. Um, it's not somebody in a sales office just selling that one product, you know. You know, it's funny. I've yeah. got, I have two windows on my computer that are open right now. Both are YouTube videos. And it's the one from the Stellantis CEO talking about Jeep. And the other one is how to tie a knot out of some rope. So the two extremes, right? Where am yep. I going to learn how to tie a, a knot? I, I want to learn how to tie a certain knot. I got to go to YouTube to do it. So, well, you can also go to the WFO uh, YouTube page to learn how to jump a uh, golf cart. Apparently. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Little 30 seconds short on, uh, uh, from a year ago, golf cart jump crash. Oh yeah. That was a, a friend of ours in Davis. Yeah. Nice. Nice. You gotta have good content too. You can't just have some weird stuff, right? Yeah. No, it looks like it's good. There's a lot of stuff on there. So make sure you guys go check it out. WFO Concepts. It's uh the it is youtube.com slash WFO Concepts. We'll make sure to link link that in the show notes. Cause so you guys, all right. So you obviously have a passion for off-roading. If you, you know, it's it, it, going out all the freaking time, you know, demonstrates that building stuff made it a, made a living for now. How many years is this? Um, I'm lost 17, years. 17, 17 years. years, 17, yeah. 18 years building rigs, hundreds of rigs out there with the WFO badge on it. Right. Um, Definitely had an attitude like, uh, and you guys can talk about this, but there is a bus. You still have the bus? I still have the bus. I drove it uh, last weekend. So there was a, there's a radio station out here called 98 rock and 98 rock was definitely a cutting edge. You know, they, they were a little hardcore. And at one point in time, they built a bus and this bus was a black and chrome school bus. It was school bus converted and they were using it for these trips, like road trips. And I remember, I remember once being stuck in a traffic jam to heading, um, trying to cut through um, out to Sonoma. And, and, and out here, when you go out to Sonoma, going through Vallejo in that area, you're going to go by the raceway. Well, I didn't even think about the fact there was a NASCAR race going on, right? And in the process, there was the bus, right? It's just they, were, they take guys out to big trips like NASCAR races or whatever. Well, and then one day, I see this bus, same bus pull up to an event and it has big WFO on the side of it. So tell, how, did you, how did you guys end up with that thing? So my dad's in the, um, is a concert promoter and he used to work at Entercom and um, did a lot of concerts. And uh, when they, when they kind of decommissioned that bus because the engine blew up, uh, I had the opportunity to buy it. I was in college. I already owned another bus, you know, I had a 68 Bluebird. Uh, wow. That they, a Lodestar that I paid 200 bucks for and I had it up in college and we would load, you know, 70 of our best friends in it and just, you know, get around town, go places. Nice. Uh, we took that, we took that bus to Vegas for 2000 because the world was going to explode, you know? 
Right. So we took 30 of us there and parked it on the strip and the strip was closed and we partied in it. And so when my dad called me in 03 and said, Hey, you know, let's get rid of the yellow bus. I can get you this 73 bluebird wander lodge. It's got a blown engine. I go, oh, I don't know if I can afford that dad. You know, I'm just starting out. And he goes, well, it's 500 bucks. Wow. So, so I paid 500 bucks for it. And then I believe it was Scott from all American tow. I had to get it out of this yard in Folsom and he took like a standard wrecking tow truck and somehow got the front tires off the ground and <laughs> towed that thing back to my shop in Auburn. I paid him 500 to tow it. So wow, thousand bucks into it. And then uh, uh, somehow I asked around and they're decommissioning Caterpillar engines, you know, for tier three in California. And I ended up from uh, Jim Dobis trucking. I got a Caterpillar 328. 3208 and an Allison transmission for 500 bucks as well. So, <laughs> wow. Awesome. Then I think I paid a guy 500 to put it in. So maybe I'm 2000 into the bus. What was the interior like? Was it still, uh, Oh, still... it's a full party interior. It's got, you know, wrap around couch and mirrored walls and TV. And, uh, it's got a full bar that's always stocked. Uh, you know, ice trays. It's a good time. It's been to the hammers six seven times with oh wow 20 yeah i've seen it. it at the hammers you know we tow the trailer with the buggy um the the urinal does uh dump onto the highway um so if you're towing anything prepare to have a little film on it uh, when you get there <laughs> wow oh that's, that's awesome. awesome that is awesome yeah and see and again guys that's the attitude you know they're talk about having fun while you're doing things right you're not just trying to just build something and make a living you're actually having fun while you're doing it that's that's huge that is huge we do we do enjoy what we do up there we have a really great group of guys there's uh guys and girls there's 24 of us up there and every day we're doing something fun wow 24 we have 24 employees yeah that's a lot that's impressive how big is your shop Ten thousand square feet 10,000 square feet for 24 people. They must really like each other. There's no social That's, distancing going on there. There is. Uh, it's pretty tight in there. Well, you said you're you're kind of looking for another place, aren't you? I mean, we've been looking for a building to purchase, um, mm-hmm. and just nothing's come up yet. We don't uh, We don't feel like going down to Rancho Cordova. You you guys got your webcast all over down there. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a there's little too much uh, structure down here. Yeah, no, but there's more stuff up your way. I mean, there's definitely more of that rural area too. You know, I've been looking. Yeah, we there got was a, there was a house for sale in Newcastle. It's pending right now. In fact, it went pending and then it came back off. About a three four thousand square foot house on, I think it was something like ten acres, and it had warehouses on it. it had about uh, fifteen thousand square feet of warehouse space. Was that the Full- one that had a bunch of shipping containers in a circle too? It had not, yeah, yeah, actually had shipping yeah. containers on the well, edge. One right? of our customers remodeled and sold that house. Oh, wow. You know, the only issue is you can't run a business out of somewhere like that. You know, yeah. uh, you can't get your deliveries and stuff. I mean, I know that you, we get a 40 foot truck two, three times a day. So, wow. Well, that's interesting because you, you, in that, in the pictures, you could tell at one end, the guy had full on pallet racks and we're all full of, oh, yeah. the other yeah. one was all full of, uh, like, uh, uh, what was it, um, gymnastics. Um, you know, yeah, set up and, and a full gym and everything else. Like what what a what an ideal setup though, right? You know, just I'd love house. to have something like that. Yeah, but I just put all my own toys in the buildings. Right, <laughs> that's right? true. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I keep looking for a place. And and you know, how big's your shop out there, Corey? Um, yeah, I'm I'm small. I'm I'm 44 long and 32 wide with a 16 foot wall. Yeah, so, but you have what two rigs in there or what? Oh, I can fit. I can fit five vehicles in there. Fit. Fit. But can you get around them once they're in there? Not very much. Not no. very much. No. No. But that's winter season coming. That's Seven winter. You park everything in there, and yeah, you stay out of the snow. Nice, nice. So, Trevor, so you, you now, you and your brother, um, you guys started the business together. And now, but he's doing his own business these days. Yeah, we started the business together in '03, and uh, he split off in 2015. Mm. So it's been just me for about six years. Wow. Um, what, how does it, what's the growth between in those last six years? How many how many employees have you brought in since that time? I've probably brought on seven or eight employees at least. Yeah. Um, and then the gross sales have gone up quite a bit. Nice. So focusing because he was you guys were kind of doing some of the stuff that he was playing with, right? But that kind of created a a challenge with the focus on what you were trying to do. Well, we were we were diverse. We were doing structural steel fab work as well. And uh, like we built all the uh, cars for Google Street View for Google. So oh, wow. we, we were putting roll cages in, in Chevy Astro vans um, <laughs> and heavy alternator conversions. And we built custom, uh, we were pressing tubes and building custom Dana 44 rear ends for those Astro vans. So oh, I think wow. we did, we built 22 Astro vans for Google. And then that kind of spilled into a lot of structural steel work and then picked up Tesla as a client. And then we built, uh, you know, my brother designing it and working with us in our shop, we built uh, all kinds of robot bases and fixturing and tool carts and everything um, for the Tesla plant. And it was getting to the point where the structural steel fab and the Jeep stuff um, was hard to keep under one roof. Sure. And that's when he kind of split off and, and did that. Now, we still do quite a bit of that, but just not as much as we were doing for Tesla. Hmm. Nice. Well, what what a what a group of talented guys though to be able to do all that and for you know, sure most, most of these shops. I mean, we don't we talk to shops and it's you know the passion in the engine and passion, but to be actually be able to do all this other kind of work that's incredible. Well, in our shop too, we have uh, basically like four different shops in one. So we have the gear and axle department, and all they do is custom build axles and ring and pinion service. So there's two full time techs and a manager, and there's two to four vehicles a day roll through just through the gear and axle shop and then probably five to 10 custom axles being built a week. Um, and then we have the, the parts department where we manufacture our product lines and sell it to everybody on the online store. Um, and then we have the custom build department, which we'd call WFO customs where we're building Jeeps. Um, and then we recently, um, got a cnc machine shop you know like you guys do so we have a haas mill and a haas lathe so there's really four different entities in one, under one roof wow and like i said no room to social distance man that's a lot under that that roof you, it's you've got to find a place yeah you know it's that that, that rule of thumb when you're at 70 percent capacity you need to start looking for changes you're well beyond that we're at 120 right right well it's still impressive that you're getting it done it's uh it's been busy, especially during COVID. And I, that is one thing I will say um, about some of the vendors like us and like Metal Cloak is that uh, we were pretty much able to keep producing all through COVID and keep shipping out parts and our product line. 
Um, and I know what we ordered a lot of metal cloak lift kits and we really never had to wait for those either. Uh, so there's some, some companies that were able to, to keep up and produce and some that weren't. And, um, you know, it really started to show who was, you know, the most, uh, organized in the market, I guess. Yeah. You know, and for all of our friends out there, some of the companies struggling and we, we understand why, but, um, you know, we just were fortunate that we were able to make decisions early on and uh and keep the supply chains going but that being said we're all struggling now i mean now it's before it was oh we all made mistakes we didn't do our our purchasing or we canceled all of our purchase orders and that's what everybody did right i'm like the, the world's gonna fall that's apart. not what i did i actually <laughs> sent out more purchase orders well we that's bet perfect because we, we bet on it what back in when all of a sudden march happened it was like whoa stop everything let's see what's actually going to happen right so a lot of the companies and out there Terraflex, all these other guys did the same thing. Whoa, wait a second. Let's see what's going to happen. Then when you realize the world's changing, then it was rush out those purchase orders and go, oh, that was a mistake. Let's get it going. So we were pretty fortunate to keep our supply chain going quickly and be able to buy a lot more inventory. Now the challenge is, as you might be experiencing too, is just getting, it's a different, it's a different supply chain issue. It's the raw materials going through, trying to get the tube you need, trying to get the sheet you need, prices going up on sheet, right? And uh, and, and every, all the different variables. Um, that's our challenge now is trying to keep up the volume that we need to get with um, the basic raw materials, which we're finding out from mills and stuff or, aren't, aren't wanting to produce. Or we put in a PO. This is a fun one. We put in a PO for aluminum tube. Yeah, that'll be coming in February. Then we put another PO in just because we had constant cycle of putting PO. And that one arrives like a week ago. But we still have a PO out there that's supposed to be delivered in February. We have all the same things, <laughs> all the same things happening. And the raw materials are, you know, two and three times, you know, DOM tubing right. close to three times, sheet steel, quarter inch. I mean, impossible to get right now, you know. Right. And, you're, right. and we're, we're not, we can't take our product and, you know, multiply that price by three times. Right. Uh, so a lot of it's just coming right off the bottom line right now. And just with our fingers crossed, hoping that the materials go down so that we can keep the consumers happy with, you know, a quality part at a decent price. Right. It's so interesting to me because from, from outside the manufacturing industry, if we didn't have any knowledge of, of what, what our needs were and what was really going on, I think it's funny that the media is just now saying, Hey, there's all these ships sitting off the coast. This didn't happen overnight. This has been a long going thing. And it's just kind of weird to me that, all of a sudden, people are now going, hey, we should fix this. Well, that's because um, the our transportation secretary um, just got off a of paternity leave after being gone for almost three months and was able to do some interviews. So now it's important to the media. Um, then, <laughs> you know, now, that, but he's going back on paternity leave. So now you won't hear about it again, right? Because right. he's, he's solving it, but he has to be on paternity leave. Ah. You got to imagine if you can be gone from your department for three months on paid paternity leave, a cabinet secretary, you're probably not needed. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. enough of my political commentary. <laughs> <sighs> Man, you know that, but that is. I mean, you know how long it's going to take to to. I don't oh, care if you're working twenty four seven. They're saying they're saying they're saying eighteen months now to clear. Yeah, it's like you you, you know you, you ever do that thing where you go look at a at a, at a slowdown on a freeway and that ribbon just keeps going and going and going because you can't just change it, right? Mm-hmm. That yep. the impact out there, they should have been handling this when there was 40. When we got the re- news report that there's 40 in 10, a 10 mile radius, there's 40 ships out there stuck. No, that's yep. not a big deal. Now there's 250 ships, right. but it's only getting worse. Well, we had, 
you got to start questioning too is is this strategic you know so right, right now the price of everything is up because you know there's no supply right well if they just flood the supply the price is going to go down nobody's going to make any money so right. you know you got to question whether the uh the the people up there at the top level are just letting these things sit there they can you know however much it costs for the ship every day and the and you know all the people on board that ship go okay it's going to cost us 20,000 a day to let it sit out there but you know we're going to sell this much more product at this absorbent price and yep. there's a there's a line on that graph and yep. you know as long as you're above or below that line you're making more money and we're getting screwed well, and that's the the challenge, though, is all the all those same guys who are now going. Well, I can't ship anything more from China because there's no containers available because all the containers are on the ships because there's no empty containers going back to China. The fee for ship for containers went from two thousand dollars a container to like ten thousand. Now it's twenty thousand dollars to yeah. the container fee alone. Not even not to mention what product you're getting. Um, and even guy. You got you got guys coming in because we have friends over in different companies like Camprite who get all their stuff from overseas, and they have stuff coming in through, say, New York, and it's costing an extra thirty thousand dollars to get a container delivered from New York to California because of all the other additional costs and fees and structures. So the problem is is that we're that there may be higher prices because of supply and demand. I mean, we have unfortunately had to incrementally increase our prices over this year something we were pushing off from pushing off or pushing off from and finally we had to do some price increases but the cost is not there there's still a lot of cost we're eating the cost of shipping um you know our fedex is is and this is happening all over the place they're charging these surcharges it's not even built into their fees uh, yeah. you guys are experiencing but it's surcharges it's like well that box is too hard it's it costs an exorbitant amount to ship an ars rack because of the size of the rack eventually we have to transfer that on to the consumer there's no more right. just okay it's going to get better we'll keep our keep our pricing where it is it, it, it's just yeah. it's got to change so uh and then that's going to kind of slow down the market a little bit i think because everybody's going to get so expensive um and we're no longer getting our handouts from the government so there, there's going to be a little bit of uh falling out here well, I think well, so. I mean, we, there's we a certain point it. where $21 an hour McDonald's, um, you know, you go in for a lunch. It already is a lunch. It costs you 13 bucks for fries, Coke, and, and, a, and, and a burger, you know, and it just go that just goes up and up. Are you trying hey, to Moab, say Moab, Moab McDonald's right now. That's it. Are you, are you noticing my belly? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> that I would know about McDonald's? <laughs> You notice why I, I keep the, the camera well, here, can, right? You exactly. Know, the head, yeah. the head is good, but, you know, not everything else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you were saying, Corey, Oh, Moab McDonald's and Moab is 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. 20 bucks an hour. I saw one, you know, one of my uh, employees is his daughter, high school graduates making 18, 19 bucks an hour at Taco Bell. You know, well, it's we were, like, you know, we talked about shipping costs uh, last week. I, I sent a single row, 50 inch light bar back to California. It was $160. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, it, it used to be overnight something and it's, you know, $30 for an envelope. It's a hundred right. bucks to overnight an envelope now. Yeah. It, it's, it's insane how much and that, unfortunately that trickles in. And finally, as you mentioned to your point, the media is finally communicating. And this is what we all should be worried about is this idea that once the mainstream media starts 
talking about gas prices, starts talking about the cost of heating oil, starts talking about you know the, the shipping world. That's when it becomes real to a lot more people, and that's when they back off and go, "Oh, wait a second, now I'm concerned about the future." Not to mention, and this is just something I I I personally believe that a lot of the people out there with these mandates, and again, I'm getting a little political, but with these mandates and these vaccine mandates and those that are losing their jobs, those who are deciding not to do it, those in the TSA or anybody else is stepping off, tends to be, and it's not always the true, but tends to be the customer base for, for guys like you and I, Trevor. Um, and and it's it's a, and that group out there, now, of course, unless, you know, Trevor's customer base, they may all be getting their money from Humboldt or something like that. And I don't know, are you all cash business over there, buddy? I would say that I would say that most of our business comes from uh, Texas, Georgia, Florida, Michigan. Um, you know, they're the good old boy. These are the blue collar, hardworking uh, Americans that that actually make their money. It's not given to them. It's not handed out. And um, and you can tell that they are fed up with it. Right. You know? Well, that's that old thing of now it's, you know, start marketing your rigs as, as your work is prepper work now. You know, get them ready, <laughs> get oh, them yeah. ready, build them up, build up the prepper, prepper rigs. Well, you know, I think that, <laughs> that you guys are, uh, you know, a lot in the overlanding world. Um, and that's not something I've really entered into yet, but it's, it's definitely a wider market in the off-road industry right now. Yeah, there's a lot of, in fact, um, one of our guys uh, who heads up our brand for, um, Adventure Rack Systems went to the Overland Expo West, and he said it was interesting that there was a lot of prepper uh, marketing out there, and a lot of a lot of people doing prepper stuff. You know, not only from the guys that were about survivalists and that sort of thing, but it's the, the overlanding community is kind of shifting to that prepper um, setup. We're building a somewhat of a prepper trailer right now, so mm. we built a diesel scrambler with the new Jeep diesel in it, um, and wow. then. We are now building a trailer that has a diesel generator on it, and then about 40 gallons of diesel fuel and a water tank. Wow. So, I mean, literally, you could get in this Jeep and drive 4,000 miles with the diesel if you wanted to, you know, or you could, you know, run the generator and power your house for a month. And it's going to be a really cool project when we're done, but uh, that's people are ready to bug out. Is that for a customer or is that a personal project? That's for a customer. Nice. nice. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't shown any pictures or video of that scrambler build yet. We're kind of we might wait till the trailer's done, but it's it's gorgeous. It's it's the best thing that I've seen come out of our shop. Oh wow, that says it, a lot. I just it reminds me. I just saw this Ford commercial, and you guys you guys might have seen it as well, where the guy pulls up in front of his house with his uh, Ford electric pickup and plugs his house into his pickup and runs all the lights in his house off of his yeah that all sounds wow. great except for you had to go down the street and plug in to charge it so i mean <laughs> right right yeah we're again I mean, it's, it's this like, whole this whole free electricity side. thing i don't I'm get on, it i'm on matt's side you know it's the electric vehicles are cool but not when you got to plug in and pay you know right. if, if you have a solar farm on your property or a a creek runs through there and you're making power and charging your batteries and you're, you're truly off the grid, then electric's amazing. You know, we, we have a cabin up in Tahoe on Echo Lake. If Matson's run the, the uh, Pacific Crest Trail, he's walked right by. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's been off the grid since 84. Like my grandpa was cool before it was cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it takes nothing. I mean, it's fully run by solar and battery and no maintenance. And it's a regular house. Wow. Yeah. 
that's the uh, we got to get to that point right like you know, i'm looking for places up in either in the foothills or up towards your area actually we've been looking at houses in the loomis area we're looking for property my wife wants to be off 80 i want to be off 50 so it's an impasse right now but er, you know the number one thing you look at is okay does it have solar yet or not because you got to go and you got to do solar most of these houses of course are running on wells most of these houses you know yeah but if propane. they don't have any if they don't have any solar you know any storage any battery storage yeah then right. the solar is no good Right. Because guess right. what? When the power's off, you don't have power's any power. Off. Right. right. Power's it's off. It's a generator place. time. Yeah. But yeah. But getting a, yeah, because it's, it's what, another 20 grand to put a couple of Tesla batteries on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's going to be interesting because, again, all of that is, although I did hear, and I don't know if this is true or not, that, you know, Tesla's trying to recycle batteries, but apparently the Tesla power walls are made with, with used Tesla car batteries. Don't know that to be a fact, but that's what I heard. Right. Because the car batteries require much more, um, you know, much more usage and load compared to, say, just the wall batteries. So they can you can get a, a longer life cycle out of the wall batteries. Gotcha. Well, the, fact, the fact that Stellantis wants to partner up with somebody and build more uh, giga plant type facilities to where they're we're going to have more battery manufacturers here in the U.S. Um, and I get it. You know, it's going to replace the engine manufacturers. But again, our resources wise, I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me because nobody's talking about the expense. Um, we're all just talking about how fun it'll be to have everything electronic. And I'm, yeah, I just, I'm, somebody's missing some information. Well, you know, it is the fact that, uh, and again, I'll get political, you know, our, uh, our esteemed president having investments within um, Chinese companies that, uh, that manufacture batteries and, uh, and mine. Um, lithium so you know that's a whole other thing you know of course it's probably just a rumor i'm just probably hearing rumors and it's nothing true about it at all. i just i just i gotta poke you every once in a while make sure you're still <laughs> but here's here's the thing i mean who's inventing the next generation battery right you gotta imagine tesla's working on that the way elon does stuff right absolutely like and whatever happened to hydrogen power like wasn't hydrogen power going to be like the big thing and it was it's not it was, cool anymore it's right. not cool. Yeah. No. We're all going to go live in space. Yeah. yeah there's, no, there's no money behind it, so it went away. It went away. Well, we still have. There's a center here. In, you know the one over there in Sacramento, off in West Sac? Um, it's a it's center off of West Sac. You're heading down towards towards uh, Harbor Boulevard, and it is a center, and it's still doing. It's still operating. That was set up 20 years ago to do research mm-hmm. and development as a partnership amongst different manufacturers for um, hydrogen power vehicles. That they still got money. They're still operating. They're still doing. Nothing's going to come out at, of it. But you know, when I was at Chico State, that was one of the um, projects they were working on, and uh, everybody was building a. All the colleges were competing to build the best hydrogen-powered uh, vehicle, and they came out with some really cool stuff. And it's kind of just been, you know, pushed away into the corner. Yeah, well, it's not as cool as alternative energies, like. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, I guess it's easier to build a, and really it comes down to Tesla. I mean, Tesla, you know, they're the ones that made electric cool. Well, up you want to then, talk high efficiency, just build a couple of nuclear power plants. I mean. Oh, you can't, you're in California. You're not allowed to mention that. Oh, man, look, at, <laughs> look at the, what's the, the USS Ronald Reagan, you know, the aircraft carrier. Right. Uh, they fill up the tank every uh, 60 years, I believe. Right. From a, from a small nuclear reaction. I mean, that's, that's pretty fuel efficient. Now, now, side note on that: they the first nuclear power plant they put in there was fucked up. 
and I'll use that language because that's what it was. They literally had to replace it by cutting holes in every deck all the way down to the to the to the to the reactor and and pull out some parts and put new parts in and fill all that back in. So that of course that was because it was a government contractor who probably screwed up. <clears throat> On the flip side of that, they have the biggest MWR fund of any ship in the Navy because people everybody wanted a Ronald Reagan hat. So their first oh, yeah. Christmas. For their first Christmas, they um, they bought the entire ship. They bought a, a basketball court, you know, one you use a symbol for it. Yeah. They gave away um, a, a Harley. They gave away a, a, an Avalanche at the time. They, they, it was like, that's kind of money that that ship has to give to its sailors. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and that technology pushes, you know, millions of tons of metal at 60 mm-hmm. miles an hour, you know, through the ocean for 50 years. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you look at you look at um, and there's a lot of I don't like about Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation, but one of the projects they were working on was nuclear power out in third world countries. The thing that they pointed out is the technology of the nuclear power plants that we designed and built that have recently been decommissioned was 1950s technology. But if you actually use modern technology, like you're talking about the technology that's appearing in, say, the USS Ronald Reagan, a full nuclear power plant is about the size of a shipping container. And they have these nuclear power plants they've built and put into third world countries that are about the size of a 20 foot shipping container that can power up an entire area, an entire region. And the technology is a lot safer. I mean, you can stand next to it and yeah. not feel like you're going to melt. Right. It's, it's pretty incredible. The difference, but of course, all we want to do in the United States is close down nuclear power plants. We've, you know, we shut down um, Sacramento's nuclear power plant in the eighties um oh, yeah. that's mud owned we did the the san diego one that the twin titties down there got shut yeah, down San and, then they're, and now they're shutting down the other one the other twin titties so it's like yeah that's fine you know it's the way california operates and the way the state the country operates but you can't talk nuclear because well that's you know that's dangerous well if you circle back around in the conversation and you know the conversation of electric jeeps has been coming up for a long time and you know people have built electric rock crawlers 15 years ago when I first started, I think Tony K um, had an electric rock buggy. And mm. I mean, the reality is it does work really well. I mean, it's only a matter of time where half the cars in KOH are going to be electric. And, and I do think it's going to be valid, but we, we're going to have to have charging stations on these trails. And, and I mean, all the old timers say it'll never happen. It's not going to be a thing, but you watch in the next five years, there's going to be a charging station at Loon Lake. There's going to be one in Rubicon Springs. And and I think the electric power is going to do really well uh, in the off-road world. I mean, I think it's it's going to take a hold, I believe. Well, there was some rumor back before. Weren't you guys playing with that? Like, because you had the buddies over at Tesla. Weren't you talking about trying to build some little secret project we thing had- for fun? We had talked about trying to put something together, an electric Jeep, right when Tesla was starting up. And, you know, when you talk to somebody there, you were actually talking to a head engineer who had some pull, you know. Right. And the problem is it was just so go, go, go to get the projects done for the facility that we couldn't pull any time or any people off to build something fun. We had to we had to get the work done. We had to get the hoods going through the assembly line. We had to get the chassis being unloaded from the train. And so. Right. All that fun stuff got put on the side. Well, you know, it's about time. There's been plenty of people out there playing with those projects, right? And there's been a few of them out there, guys trying to do electric Jeeps. And, um, you know, you just where they can go now. Obviously, the 4xE, eh, 
it's kind of electric, but what does it have a 25 mile range? I mean, that's not a hybrid. Yeah. They had said when they tested those, they made it to Buck Island without the engine starting. Right. Um, so halfway through the trail. And, and to be honest with you, if it wasn't a hybrid, if it was just a full electric, um, I think it would do just fine. And I think it would go all the way through there. But you'd have to have some sort of a backup. You can't have a dead car in the middle of the trail. And right. it's such high voltage. It's a really serious solar station, you know, to get those things charged without sitting there for four months. Right. Well, you saw those ones at EJS that they yeah, had, yeah. right? Massive, massive, giant mushroom looking thing mm-hmm. that and I, I don't know if they were they're supposed to have those um out there at uh on the rubicon did they ever install that Corey? have you they, any idea i don't think yeah. they did yeah no, are they still no. going to or is that just a lot of talk there's some politics involved yeah. just a little bit on the rubicon really yeah <laughs> that, that'd that be weird right but i'm not oh, against man. it i'm not against it i think it it could be a cool thing in the right application it just it, it, it you got to make it work for more people right it just can't mm-hmm. be you know, the one or two guys coming through with it. And it's, again, it's got to have multiple charging stations, multiple applications, people wanting to go in a minute. Your best development comes from the tinkerers like you who are out there trying to do stuff and make it better and make it better and make it better, right? And, well, I'm not going to drive something that doesn't have a V8 sound. So <laughs> That's the, okay. There, there has to be a speaker underneath it making engine sounds. Well, the 4xE and, uh, actually has a speaker at the back. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and Ford did that. Ford put their their sound system and, and made it sound like there was an engine and all that. And yeah, you should be able to just top <sighs> type uh, plug in a uh, one of those Z's, and uh, and just you can change your sound basis, right? Like just go in there. Like, yeah, I want a little more throaty. Put your own custom sound in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your own. It just changes. Don't you put sound? You just want to have your own personal soundtrack. So as you're going <laughs> right. down, it's just like absolutely. Here we go. Oh man. Well, so some of the quick questions we love to ask our guests, right? For you, and it's you already kind of talked about some of the, the builds you're doing, but but what was your favorite build you've done over the years? We had too many really good builds. Like you know, one of my favorites is sitting right behind me. Hmm. And this is a scrambler that we built for a customer. Um, and it was absolutely I was in love with it, and so I kept on begging him to sell it back to me. And uh, <laughs> so I bought back the build that we built for a customer. So this, you know, it's got a six liter LS, four L60 Atlas, uh, 42s. The wheelbase has been stretched, um, Highline fenders, King coilovers. Um, it's the ideal rig. And and I don't know if you've seen me driving it, but I drive it everywhere. Right. Um, I'll, I'll take 100 miles an hour down the freeway, no problem. Uh, don't tell Raceline I'm doing that with their beadlocks. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, hey, I lose a couple of bolts, but I mean, I, I went to Tahoe and, and towed the boat back home with it. You know, wow. Um, so, so I got to ask: Did you pay? Did you pay as much as he paid you, more or less? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. But we we also uh, some of the, the the latest builds is that 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 JL we built for uh, in conjunction with Jason Shear and Starwood Motors. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the JLs had just come out and. Uh, we designed a long arm kit, built it, put one tons in it, and had it at Easter Deep Safari two months after the first JL hit the production line. Wow! Um, and there's a, there's a, on the YouTube page there's actually a uh, like a step by step build on that one, and we did it in seven days. And it's not the video condensing it down to seven days. So 
from cutting that set of axles out to driving it to Moab seven days. And there was stuff that nobody knew about. Nobody knew about the programming. Uh, I mean, we worked with Taser before Taser was even a thing, you know, it was the <laughs> automotive and, uh, and the transfer case. I mean, we took the case apart and changed these little pawls and gears. And I was talking directly to the engineer at Jeep on how to make that happen because they were having a shifting issue with the transfer cases going into four low. Um, that was a really cool build. And then we did a trailing arm JT right when those came out too. So definitely valid in the now market, but then, you know, back in the day, all the CJs that we built are just really cool. You know, they keep coming back around for service and you see something you did 15 years ago and you go, well, this is still a complete, you know, valid build and you could take it to SEMA right now. And it was 15 years ago. That's That's awesome. awesome. Hey, Corey, I got to take off for a second. All of our listeners keep listening. Why don't you work with uh, with Trevor on um, what our keywords should be? Oh, well, that'll be that'll be really easy. So I'll be right um, we um, we've actually we did a giveaway last year. And so this year we've done the same thing. Um, I think Matt's and I, though, we've been talking a little bit about mixing this up. And uh, I'm trying to think what would be the best thing. So. We typically have, I think last year we did five keywords. And what happens is they have to, the the listeners have to email us and they have to give us those five keywords from the past five episodes. But I think that Madsen wanted to really make this super complicated this year because I think he's got something that really, really valuable that'll be worth uh, the listeners to to win. So we also want the five keywords from last year in those five episodes. So they're going to have to go back. They're going to have to rewatch some of the episodes from last year, but we don't have a keyword for this year. And I was thinking, um, of course, since we have you on as a guest, that obviously our keyword should be WFO concepts. I'm good with that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to make it official. It means I'm writing it on a piece of paper so that I don't forget it. (laughs) So you've heard it now. So you you have to give us the five keywords that were part of last year's uh, episodes where we did giveaway, as well as the five keywords um, from the last. Oh, and Matson's coming back, so he's going to go. You you just did what? So this this week's episode, the keyword will be WFO concepts. Nice. And and Madsen, like you and I talked, they also have to give us the five keywords from last year's right. episode as well. Right. So, so there'll be ten. Ten. You know, ten. Now you have to go to uh modernjeeper.com where this episode will be posted. Um, once we go live on Thursday morning, it'll be posted there with specific instructions on how to enter and how to show it off. So got to go there uh, modern jeeper and i think it's modernjeepershow.com actually lists all the podcasts you got to go there modernjeepershow.com lists all the podcasts but we'll have the uh, instructions on modernjeeper.com yeah modernjeeper.com so this this podcast click on it read the article go through there and you will see the instructions on how uh, to enter and then it's going to be somewhere between 5 and 10,000 dollars worth of stuff um, including some wfo stickers and i think that means what you're in what the what the winner will actually get is some some pieces of steel and some aluminum tubing yeah that's it 
They were just going to do that. Exactly. It's about right. That, that, that adds up. We can't actually put the afford the labor to actually assemble anything for you. Right. Uh, you got to pay for that separately. Um, but we're happy to send you some aluminum chunks and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of NFTs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> good times. Well, so, hey, I mean, what, what's what's by the way, we didn't talk about skills day. We'll talk about that next week. But we just had our skills day, which was fantastic. Having done that in almost two years. Um, you haven't been out to it yet, have you, Trevor? I have not been out to a skills day, but I have some skills. You have skills. And I actually think, and that's one of these rare cases, because we were talking about this last week, that your your builds match your skills. So that's good. You know, there are there are a few of our, our listeners who probably and we love all of you, but your 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 skills do not yet match your builds. So that's why we have skills day, because you come out and learn and it's we had some great people out there. And and skills day is, is such a simple thing because we had hundred rigs out there registered to go out. Uh, 30 that had been there before or had some experience and the other 70 were all brand new novices, no real experience, everything from brand new rigs. We had a, uh, we had a built uh, renegade out there, um, Grand Cherokee, all out at Prairie City and uh, these guys going through and just learning and in a gradient level from the sand pit all the way up to being able to do some of the gunite, um, what their rigs are capable of and uh, incredible, incredible time. Looking forward to it. We're probably going to do three next year. And I do have a plan to do a, uh, a Bronco-focused one for anybody out there. I know it's modern Jeepers, but anybody out there listening, we are going to do a Bronco-focused event probably in the spring. Um, I just think that those did guys... You, did you guys order a Bronco then? We have one coming supposedly in the middle of next month. Nice. Got a Badlands edition with a Sasquatch. We've had one out here, uh, Trevor Messerschmidt from um, uh, California Customs, uh-huh. um, dropped off his total stock one, right? Which um, he's in. It's a it's stock. It was base model, base, base, base model. You know, not doesn't even have. I, I can't wait to cut one up. As soon yeah. as I get my hands on one, I'm cutting it to pieces. Absolutely, I bet you. I will. don't believe in in you know where they went with it. So I can yeah, well, make it. I'm looking forward to the WFO axle swap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I expect. Something like you you guys to come out with is that front axle swap. Get well, we have a 392 JL that's should have been here a month ago and we're going to do that one first. And then as soon as the 392 is done, I think it's going to be Bronco time. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad we were able to get our hands on it on one to start doing some R and D and see where they really messed up. Cause they did. Um, and, uh, but it's so funny. You get the base model. You don't even have skid plates on your plastic gas tank. You got to yeah. get the Sasquatch upgrade to have skid plates. Crazy. Well, I, uh, I crawled around in that one in Moab that uh, was out there running around with some, it had some very preliminary suspension modifications done to it. And um, yeah, it's interesting for sure. And I think there's going to be a lot of room for improvement yet. I think things are going to get very complicated very fast. With it's that just the, the electronics. The electronics yep. are going to be a nightmare because yep. they're, they're active four wheel drive. I forget mm. what they call, but I mean, it applies yep. the brakes everywhere. Um, yep. It, a lot of ABS issues, um, the electronic steering. So it's it's going to be tricky, but you know, nothing a plasma cutter and a sledgehammer can't fix right out of the <laughs> right. gate. You know? Electronics and a sledgehammer, that works good. Yeah, well, it, it's, it is funny because we, I mean, you see some, there's already been some social media posts. There's a guy out there, you know, with that one that had, you know, his front tires are doing this because yeah. the tie rod just snapped, right? And then he actually messed up the entire ring and pitch, pinion. In there, just yeah, that's totally the one, stripped uh, the gears. One of the diesel brothers, I think, did that. Yeah, in, in yeah. Moab. Yeah, but I mean, 
you could do that with anything. You could have a right. Dana 60 and slam a boulder and break a tie rod end. It's no big right. deal. You know, like you fix right. it, you keep going. So, but I, I took my 18 GMC when we did our solid axle kit, you know, it had a hundred miles on it and I put it up on a rack and just cut the whole thing apart. And so nice. I look forward to doing that on the Bronco. Well, nice. we look forward to seeing the documentation of that. might've just come over and visit just to hang out with some popcorn and watch you do it. <laughs> yeah. I got to figure out where to find one because I didn't pre-order. So I got to, it could be a year or so before I end up with one. They're taking a while. Yeah, they are. But just like we had to do, we changed it from hard top to soft top, just to be able to get it. And then once it's yeah. all set, things are settled down, we'll go buy a hard top, put it back on. But that was it. That was the impetus for us to actually get it through was changing the soft top, which well, the I soft don't... top sucks, by the way. I'm sorry. The soft top, you can stick your hand up like through the soft top inside. Well, you know, my the reason my 392 is taking so long is uh, – I ordered it with the factory half doors. Like there's oh. just something about a JL oh, yeah. with half doors. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I got <laughs> and they're, fa- they're they're like factory matched with factory color matched, come with yeah. it in a box in the back, and you can't buy them separate yet. No, nope. right. gotta buy them yep. with the that, Jeep. So that's the same thing that happened to our buddy John Mock up at Salem. When we finally because yep. we've got his 392 kit down here, he drove down from Salem so we could do the R and D on it, do the you know, do the complete setup. And uh, that was it. That's what he was waiting for. Waiting for, waiting for was the, the half doors. So, but it, it'll yeah, happen. They, what colors you order? Soft uppers. They come with the soft uppers, so you right. can head out in the morning and be talking on the Bluetooth and be warm. And then in the afternoon, you pop the uppers off, stick them in the back, and you're you're jeeping. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know, so they won't get scratched up or anything. But you know, hey, just strap them on top, and you're good to go. But hey, afterwards, what color did you get? I got white. I mean, my scrambler's white, so I got white on white, and uh, it. We got some ideas on the color scheme. It's gonna. It's gonna be pretty nice. Awesome. Look forward to seeing it. And knowing you, you're gonna use every ounce of that uh, that 392. I will, and it's it's obviously gonna have our <laughs> long arm kit. We've already done probably I don't know 10 JLs with our long arm kit, so it'll have our long arm kit and one tons. Um, Which, by the way, features the Duraflex joint. Which you, features the Duraflex joint? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We we gave uh, we gave WFO as a local friend exclusive rights to be able to build a jail long arm kit because we don't yet have one, and and uh, they have a great kit and a great setup. Uh, but use the Duraflex joints. I can't wait to jump that one too. I'm not going to baby it. Yeah, I don't expect you ever to. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we, otherwise, we, you otherwise it would be disappointing. You have to change your company name. The the first one we built, we figured out. We figured out if you just take the front drive line out, you can do burnouts in them. So it, it lets you with the all-wheel drive transfer page. <laughs> right. Just take the front drive shaft off. Sure. And then once, um, once we put the Dana 60 in it, once the 60 was in it, you just unlock the front hubs and you're full-on white smoking it everywhere you go. Why did it have to be white smoke? Uh, yeah, where'd you go to- I don't, you know, <laughs> this is a political show. <laughs> I try not to. I try not to. Wow. Well, it has been a great show, though. Uh, you know, we got a lot going on and uh, it's just been great to have you, Trevor. I really appreciate you joining us and uh, tell us a little bit of the history and and what's happening over there at WFO. Speaking about what's happening, I got to head back up the hill and make sure everybody's still there. <laughs> Boss is gone. We're going to play. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Hey, Corey, anything else you want to add before we head out? No, I can't wait to uh, get back out to Cali and, and uh, stop by Trevor's shop and see him and um yeah we're getting ready for for hump and bump and then SEMA and then death valley for a week and a half so we got a lot going on as well so yeah that's it awesome awesome uh well our friends out there trevor anything else you want to add before we sign off 
I think that's it. Thanks for Beautiful. having me on the show. Hey, our pleasure. So, hey, modern jeepers out there, remember to check us out. Matt's at metalclock.com, Corey at metalclock.com. Jesse, who is not here, you can reach out to her at jesse at metalclock.com. Of course, modernjeeper.com, modernjeeperadventures.com, modernjeeperforum.com to share and learn and all that kind of stuff. But reach out to us. And if you are watching this, smash that subscribe button. Give us some five stars. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know that you love us. Uh, and if you make uh, comments and do that kind of stuff, we promise to read them and not to make fun of you. Anything else you have, please reach out to us. And we love to have you be a part of our world. And we can hope we can be a part of your world. So, all the modern jeepers, we'll see you on the trails. Cheers. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.